Hey everyone, and welcome back to Let Me Ask You This. I am your host, Scott J. Carroll, and today I am joined by our panel again. Hi! Howdy! Hi. So on my right, we have Tom and Christy, and on my left, we have Claire and Angel. Here on the wrong side. Winners. <laughs> well, that would be the sinister side, at least for me. Works for me. Pirate. I have once again, for our panel up here, consulted the mythical and epic Tome of Knowledge. Mm -hmm. This book contains facts and figures from all around the world and history, and every week I like to pull out just a few questions to torture my friends and ask my friends about. So, no touching the tome! Do <laughs> minus oh, ten for that side. You put a print on the tome. Mine, already minus points. Are... <laughs> wow, no sanctity for the tome of knowledge. No, nope. nope. I didn't touch it. That means I get twenty-five extra points. <laughs> if it hasn't been consecrated by at least two PhDs, it's not actually sacred. I do have at least one PhD working with me on it. So there. All right. She gets twenty-five. I get fifty. You can't allot yourself points. That's not how this works. There is a judge back there. I did the judge, it. The judge is the one who will decide who gets what points. We're already off the rails. This is great. Okay. So, so what that question? It's all your fault. It is. Let's get started. Let's get started with the first question. This first round uh, is going to be about some... We're going to start off with some facts about figures. Oh, I love figures. Yeah, so... Depends on whose it is. I think mine is okay, but... You know. mm. So, who can tell me about Harry Burtz and his Jolly Boy Sucker? Well, was that my mom always that? told me, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Which is a fair and valid. <laughs> Especially about a boy sucker. So, Harry Burtz and his Jolly Boy Sucker. Let's go, let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go back to... 1920. It's not very far. That's why I said a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I know you were there. I'll admit to it, but... <laughs> so, what would... Think about the 1920s, think about vernacular of the time. What would a sucker be? A patsy. <laughs> Putz. Doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> yes, closer. So you're getting closer. Closer to something like a lollipop. Um... But what's a different kind of candy, or a different kind of treat, that would make a boy jolly? Jolly Rogers? That's a flag. <laughs> it's a candy brand. That's, is it? Yes. Oh, yes. That's, no, you're true. Yes, yes, it is. is. Yeah, jawbreakers. I was about to say like a jawbreaker or like a jolly yeah. rancher, like a sucking kind of candy? Almost, almost like a sucking. What's a colder sucking kind of candy? Oh, like a pop, like popsicle. Not a popsicle. Yeah. Not a popsicle. Just but, like a little ice? What's what's uh, right next to a popsicle on the on the line? Ice cream stick. Stick. Okay. Uh, Jolly Boy Sucker was the first ice cream stick. Harry Burtz was a candy maker, and around the turn of the century, he was trying to find a way to get more money, get more money from kids. So he was the first person to put ice cream on a stick. But how long was his jo Jolly Boy Sucker? Well, when it was cold, it was shorter. But he so was. Uh, he was the first person to basically invent what became the ice cream popsicle or the ice pop. Uh, popsicles themselves were a mistake. There was a young man who had some soda, he had a sugary drink, 
and he had poured it out and he left it overnight on a particularly cold night and mm -hmm. it froze. Right. And the next morning he went out there and he, you know, being a little boy, he went, what's this? Tasty. And inadvertently invented the, the popsicle. <laughs> so. Now, did Burks have any relationships that were dentist? Oh. That's a racket right there. It is. You. It is. And you're bringing that up because? Because there was actually a shop, an ice cream shop in Connecticut, Milton, that was owned and run by the dentist next door. <laughs> you, you might be onto something because a dentist also invented the first... Uh, candy floss machine. Yes, he did. Candy floss, yeah. Or um, the the cotton candy machine, because my yeah. brain just decided to <laughs> yeah, that's okay. you know, stop working for a second. The tooth annihilator. You get used to it after a while. Mm. So, from one kind of snack, moving over to a drink. Oh yes. What mistake revolutionized the tea industry? The Boston Tea Party? <laughs> that wasn't a mistake, that was freedom. <laughs> the, the English? The English, well, mm, no. mm. The mistake was the English had that ship there. <laughs> we're, we're past the Tea Party. Uh, are, we, are we talking about the Asian teas that we're, or are we going about? No, we're, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about English teas. Okay, English okay. teas in general. Um, Somebody dropping ice in tea? No, that was a... Um, <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> when, once they added sugar, it was amazing. <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> it says a lot. Uh, but <laughs> it's all sad leaf water to me. Uh, mm. um, so we're, we're back to turn of the century again. Right. We're in about 1908. How, did, how was tea mainly, mainly made? Well, it was seeped. Mm -hmm. Well... Dried yeah. leaves, mm -hmm. they'd be into the bags, but before that they would seep it. And yeah. then, straight to the pot. Right, you know. straight to the pot mm -hmm. and then pour well, it you, from. You, you kind of said it. Re yeah, so, so putting the, the, the packets into or the... Making tea bags. Yeah, tea bags. Tea bags, yeah. exactly, tea bags. Tea bags were a mistake. So there was a man named Thomas Sullivan, and in 1908 he was working, he was trying to sell more tea. So he sent out a whole bunch of samples of tea in little silk sachets to people. People got that and they thought, oh, I must make the tea in the sachet, I guess? Which is honestly sort of brilliant. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it very, very quickly caught on. And people were asking for more of these tea bags. <laughs> silk, of course, was way too expensive oh, yeah. to manufacture a lot of it. And he tried a bunch of different things, uh, paper, muslin, and he eventually, mainly at the time, settled on the same thing that uh, stockings and hosiery were made of. Yeah. Right. And then eventually it turned into uh, what we have today. Right. So through a form of a mistake, we now have tea that we know it today. So originally when he was doing this, you could have make paper mache and have tea at the same time. I mean, you still can if you want to. Yeah, but that would be disgusting, like in the same cup. Mm. Like, well, you have two cups. It just goes to show you, some drinks end in mistakes, and some mistakes end in drinks. So Tuesday at the bar. Yep. All right. What do you mean just Tuesday? <laughs> so we went, uh, we went to drinks. Let's, um, we went to what people were doing. Let's go back to uh, another person in history. Oh, so dude. this question is going to be a two-parter. It's a oh. rare two-parter that we're having. I know. It's shocking. It's got a sequel. It, it will. So part one of the question. American folk hero John Chapman is better known by what name? 
Charlie Chaplin, of course. No, of course not. Oh, Johnny Chaplin. Wow, you just did my job for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's the answer. No, it's not. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be Johnny Appleseed. It could possibly be Johnny Appleseed. John Chapman, better known Makes as sense. Johnny Appleseed. Mm -hmm. We all know we've all had the day at school where we'd hear the legend of mm -hmm. Johnny Appleseed going around the country planting apple seeds. Mm -hmm. So my question now is, what were the apples he planted intended for? Johnny Invasive Species. I thought at one time I was we'll get to that. Like it was actually about conservation or some kind of environmental thing. Is what I. Well, if you have very rare like seeds, keeping those propagating is one thing, but yeah. apples are for eating, for making cider, for making hard cider, and for feed. Right. So, in that list, you said the answer. Yeah, I know. One of those livestock. things you said is, is correct. Then you also have the apple wood to make furniture. Not for livestock, or not for feed. No, 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 it's no. for the hard you cider. You have cider. For the hard for cider. cider. So, the particular type of apple that Johnny Appleseed planted was called algeo. And these apples are really small, really bitter. They're not intended for eating. They were intended for making hard cider. They didn't teach us that in school. No. Not. The other thing they didn't teach you is you were really onto something. So you get some bonus points on this, Claire, no. when you said he was an invasive species. I get a whole half a point. Um, Chapman was planting trees as a land grab. At that point going. in time, if you could prove that you were cultivating the land, yes. then you were owning it. Typical Caucasian. I, I knew it's something an environment, like, regarding right. the land masses and all that. Um, I couldn't remember the story like that. It was, it was conservation of his finances. Exactly. Chapman became, at the time, one of the biggest land barons once all of his trees were producing. He was the Bezos of hard sucker. Until Prohibition. Once Prohibition hit, the FBI went around, and any of his trees that were surviving, he, he had died at this point, were cut down. They, there is only currently one surviving tree today that they oh, found wow. uh, a couple years ago. And they're trying to re-get those uh, apples coming up. This is way more entertaining than in, in any Johnny Appleseed story I've ever heard. Why right? is this not what I'm hearing about? <laughs> because he was a mean land baron who was making booze. You don't get to learn about that in school. You wait until high school where you really learn about the American way. <laughs> you gotta love toward law. Mm. <laughs> well, speaking of historical figures and the American way, <laughs> which historical U.S. figure shouted, the British are coming? Oh dear, is this going to be sure. a trick question? This feels like a trick question. I don't know. Is it a trick question? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Allegedly, Allegedly Paul Revere. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it really did. There's really no hard proof that Paul Revere really shouted out as he was writing from what uh, Lodsworth said in his poem that the British are coming, the British are coming. Literally, that's not exactly how it happened. No, in fact, it would probably be a bad strategic decision, but I don't know. So, both of you guys are <laughs> right. Both sides have valid points in this. So, at the time, everybody was still considered British citizens. So mm -hmm. had Revere done the ride, he would have shouted, the Redcoats are coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He would have shouted, the British are coming. Exactly. But there's another twist to it. It wasn't, it was, a, it was another uh, soldier then. It was his raiders. It was Paul Revere and his raiders. So, so, yeah. so yeah. Where was the Lost Ark? <laughs> so Revere himself only did a very short ride, and then he got caught. Yep. <laughs> there was a man named William Dawes. Yes. William Dawes wrote further than Revere. He warned more people than Revere. 
Dawes was able to get away with it because he was a traitor at the time, and all of the British, the soldiers at the British checkpoints recognized him and knew him as a traitor, not a traitor, <laughs> and they saw him and they just waved him through. So he was running around going, get ready, get ready, get ready, fellas. <laughs> so he did more for the night for the ride than Revere did. Revere got caught, uh, and, but because he was more well known, because he was more famous at the time, that's why we talk about the ride of Paul Revere. And this kids is what's yes. called failing upwards. <laughs> yeah, Dawes became a footnote in history, and most people and never heard of him. Yeah. yeah, and he did way more for it. He did. It's Balto Togo all over again. Mm. Yeah. We can get into that <laughs> in another episode. But, believe it or not, guys, that's round one. Oh my goodness. Yay! We have sped through round one already. Which brings us to round two. Round two is our bluff round. Uh-oh. Before the show, I gave everybody here a card with a question on it. You can take your cards out now. Each of the questions had the actual answer. You, you okay there? Yep. You alright? Should be alright. Okay. Each of the I cards... I buried in your shoe. And you didn't even notice. Okay. <laughs> Point. Uh, each of the cards has a question. It has the actual answer. And I have asked our esteemed panel here to write two additional bluff answers. Each team is going to read their questions in turn to the opposing team. The opposing team will have 30 seconds to guess which answer is correct. So, to help keep track, I actually have a timer ready. So how loud is it? Uh, no, I'm just gonna watch it. Oh, yeah, lame. <laughs> so for this timer, uh, Christy, why don't you go first? Why don't you read your question to the other team? <laughs> All right. So, what is the official name for a hashtag or a pound sign? We have Octotrope, Novatrope, and Decatrope. Okay, timer has begun. The official name for a pound sign. This is a picture of Claire trying to count. <laughs> so octo, so octa, deco, or what was the other one? The end one? Oh, no, the throw. No, the throw. So like eight, ten, or nine. I guess since it's got nine squares, so I'll say no, the But like, you know. time's up, team. What's your answer? <laughs> what she said. So, Claire, are you going with? I guess, but. <laughs> Novatrope? Yeah. Um, no, the answer is Octotrope. Damn it! <laughs> yep, it is called an Octo because of the eight pieces. Dead, diddly goat. All right, so, uh, Claire, why don't you go ahead and read your question for the Gotcha, time. gotcha. So, in the film Pulp Fiction, all of the clocks are set to one particular time. What time is that? Is it noon? Is it? 420. Is it 609? So it's daytime. Maybe. Okay, so see. Time or running. Anyway, could be any time. It's movie time. All the clocks in Pulp Fiction are set to the same time. Mm -hmm. And I, I have gone back and watched the film and gone, oh yeah, oh yeah, is it? My original answer was like 4 o'clock because I thought I remembered that, and 420 is the closest to it. I don't have any. Uh, you... um, 
One second. Yeah, that's time's up, go team. With 420. I think it's new. Okay, I was which, well, but which one were you saying? You you were waffling. Mm, mm, it was a little bit of wiffle waffle. 420. <laughs> we'll give them that one. Uh, yes, all the clocks in the film Pulp Fiction are set to 420. Yeah. So I remember the four o'clock. I was like, yeah. All right, Tom. Yeah. Read your question, please. I can't, it's upside down. You gave me an upside down card. <laughs> oh, like the inverse spoon with soup? Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, look, I fixed it. Oh, cool, thank you. There is no uh, spoon. All right, are you ready with this thing? Yeah, no, I'm all ready. All right, I'm waiting on you. Uh, what is that thing at the end of your shoelaces called? A grit? Agelet? Or aglet? A little thingy at the end of your shoelaces. Yeah. I don't trust your instincts because Lord knows my name has been worth anything. Oh, we already got an answer? <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It is, in fact, called an aglet. Yes, it is. See? Very nice. The pirate knows what's what. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it, it ruined the timer. I gotta start over. Okay. Oh. All right. Oh, oh. Angel, please, the final question in the book. Which of the planets spins clockwise? Uranus, Pluto, Saturn, Venus, or Earth? How many did you add? You didn't. Oh, I had a limit. Well, Pluto isn't a planet. It's uh, a heresy. Timer's going. Am I not a human because I'm smaller than other ones? Yes. Well, Randy Newman has some words to say about that. Well, we don't know where he is. James Cameron's still trying to find him. Searching for the bomber. Okay, you have too many answers. Can you just go through them one more time? Uranus, Pluto, Saturn, Venus, Earth. And we'll give you guys an extra 10 seconds because somebody broke the rules. Thank you, Yeah. So I think it is Uranus. Nope. No. Venus. Venus yep. is the only planet that spins counter to the rest of the planets. That was my second guess. We were talking and I was like... Of course, it's she, Venus. She, so she's it's... the one difficult, yeah. jumpy one. Mm -hmm. We stand a queen. So, very good. You guys have stumped each other and also gotten correct from each other. So, yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, we got two right, they only got one. I, I did say Venus too, Hill. I just yeah, said, it's... We were No, just... you got one right. We're... We're gonna, you know, if the judge is the one who is watching, the judge is off camera, we're trusting them and their judgment. So, that ends the bluff round, which takes. Oh, yes. Oh, keep those points coming. Okay. <laughs> so, we are moving on. To... Did you. Did you see that tornado <laughs> just flew through here? Tornado Claire has come through. <laughs> I'm a hurricane, thank you. <laughs> You're a something. We'll give you that. All right, we are moving on to the third and final round. Uh, as is tradition, in the third round, the questions do get a little bit harder. Uh-oh. So, here we go. Hope you guys are ready. My first question for everyone. What does the moon smell like? Cheese. <laughs> Green cheese. Nope. It does not smell like cheese. We've actually been there... It's not, there's no cheese on the moon. What can it smell like if you can't sniff it while it's there? It doesn't have a smell. No, it does. But when you bring it back like, Does the moon dust get a contaminated smell? You guys want to join the party or? <laughs> well, I didn't know if it would be with them or not. <laughs> so, 
Where does, where does one go to sniff moon dust? Like, how do we break it? NASA. Astronauts who have been to the moon and come back into the capsule have had moon dust. They've collected mm -hmm. moon dust. They've had it on their suits. Right. And they say that it does have a particular Lines. smell. Coffee. Birthday cake. Not coffee. I would think chocolate. Chocolate. Feet. No, not chocolate. So you're in chocolate feet. <laughs> chocolate feet. So. <laughs> Obviously, on the moon, there's no gravity, so there's no ability to smell. But when you bring it in, once you're in the capsule, right. you're oxygenated in the atmosphere. How would gravity fix the smell? It? Well, We're not gravity. Gra gravity's not involved. No, no. no. but yeah. But, mm? Like you were saying yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, chalky earth. Yeah. No, not earth. like earth. And more no. chalky. Not, not quite chalky. So space is full of a whole bunch of different Water? things going on. It is. Um, a lot of different... Grass? No. Gra grass? <laughs> it smells like chlorophyll? No. Alien poop. When, <laughs> when there's lots of collisions in space and things collide, there's other gases involved, no. there's other things involved. It smells like farts. <laughs> you're getting closer. It essentially, you're getting all of these different explosions happening. Yeah. In space, does smell like smoke? You guys are you guys are almost there. You guys are really almost there. It's got a burn smell to it. O almost. So, it smells like bacon. It actually oh, smells okay. like uh, the moon. Moon itself, the moon dust smells like gunpowder. Really? Yeah. Astronauts who have been on the surface of the moon and get back in the capsule, they had the moon dust on their boots and their uh, uniforms, and they said that. Um, as as the cops go by, they're coming because... for you. No, no, I answered all their questions. <laughs> I said, "Get me a lawyer." Uh, they said that the moon dust. There is an actual quote from the astronauts on the moon. They said it feels like snow, smells like gunpowder, and doesn't taste too bad. Eat the moon. I would actually question that because once you come back into the capsule, obviously you would have a chemical reaction. With whatever oxygen or whatever is in the capsulated atmosphere, that is a that, valid point. That, that yeah. because could create the burning smell because of what's going on. We do know somebody who has protested the idea that space smells like steak because they say once you get back in the capsule, you're smelling the uniform that's been out in space, not space itself. It's mm -hmm. a it is a, yeah. a valid point. Mm -hmm. I will give you credit for that. But on record, they have saying moon dust smells yeah. like gunpowder. The fact that it doesn't taste too bad. Yeah. Um, we were. No, just no. We sent a bunch of boys to space. Yeah. Humans will put anything in our mouths. Well, no, actually, no, 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 Charcoal that you'll drink, you know, that you no. take. Activated charcoal. Yeah, activated charcoal. Uh, so I could see. I, I could see this as a, as a new mineral supplement that you would put on your salad. Well, Elon Musk's new I adventure. Was, I would like moon one dust. moon salad, please. Moon yes. dressing. No, yes. moon seasoning. There yes. it is. Yes. Moon salt. Well, I will give you guys bonus points if you know what is the scientific name of moon dust. Itchy. <laughs> no, that's what happens to you if you get it on you. Scientific name of moon dust is regolith. Regolith? Mm-hmm. Regolith is actually hard to kind of make a marketing thing because yeah. a regolith salad is hard to say and doesn't sound appetizing. No, you just change it to regolith. Just, well, mm. if you do an arugula salad with the regolith on it, then you know, yes. you've got something going. Mmm. A regolith. You could have it in the middle of the salad bar. There yeah, we go. there we go. I like. 
Well, so let's the dark go. Side of the sound <laughs> yes. So we had a uh, gunpowder. We had kind of explosions in space. Let's move from gunpowder over to fire. Fire's cool. Kind of fun. <laughs> what fire has been burning since 1962? Is that the coal mine? Yeah, the one up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called, but like, there's some coal uh, mine. Yeah. This, this is this is fascinating to me because both of like the outside, both of you guys are like the Olympic torch, and then you guys are like the mud mine fire. Yeah, the portal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could have gone, you know, fantasy, and I was thinking Tolkien at the time, but yeah. I, I figured that was probably out of the question. Because yeah, yeah, um, some idiot was burning trash and lit the entire coal seam on fire, and it hasn't quit burning. That is exactly right. We are talking about Centralia, Pennsylvania. Hmm, nice. In 1962, there was a big landfill uh, on the outskirts of town, and the town decided, hey, we have too much garbage, let's burn it. So they lit the landfill on fire. What they didn't realize, it was right on top of a seam from an anthracite coal mine. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So it went into the coal mine, the mine caught fire, and has been burning since then. Mm -hmm. And best estimates from scientists are that it's projected to burn for another 250 yep. years. So is that where all the uh, CO2 emissions from the United States is practically coming from? No, oh, I've been to DC. No, that's coming from the next president's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> So, pictures of Centralia are kind of fascinating. You've got this town that's covered in this smoke, this fog, this constant haze. Yeah. Very Silent Hill. Exactly. A lot of people say it was the inspiration for Silent Hill, um, for the town. If you guys are familiar with the video game, it's this town where you go into it, you get trapped, and it's constantly covered in fog. Part of the fog in the first game was because the computer couldn't have the draw distance, so to cover buildings popping in, they covered it in fog. But it became such an iconic image. Yeah. Um, it's actually a place that they do, you can't go there as a tourist, you can go up to the town. Mm -hmm. The government did have to evacuate. There's currently, I think, two families still living there oh, wow. that just refuse to leave. <laughs> and they're like, the ground's gonna collapse, but they refuse to leave. It's like our own little Chernobyl. Yeah. Except smokier. What? Little Chernobyl. <laughs> now that would sell some t-shirts. But. Yeah, you can't really be a tourist at Centralia. I think that would be neat to go see, but you, you can't go there. But being a tourist is something interesting, and I learned a fun fact about being a tourist. What is the longest amount of time you can be a tourist? Depends on the country and the laws regarding that. Yes. We are going with the UN. The uh, UN has an official uh, statement on it. And like, what is the tier? Is it like tourist and then squatter, or <laughs> you know, I like, is that what the delineation is? Because that will affect my answer. I stopped after tourist because I didn't feel like going through the UN website. Have you tried? Oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds on brand. It's a yeah. lot of wordage in there. It, uh, yeah. It's so dry. It's drier than the driest wine. <laughs> so you could use that entire thing in a drought spell. Is what you're saying? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So. Which is something like four a week, like a month or so within. I'm not thinking about passport, but I'm thinking to be able to view a place and whatnot. I believe like three to four weeks or a month. Basically. That was in six months. Six months. Like, I'll, I'll go crazy and say somewhere in the middle of that, like six weeks. Okay, so six weeks, six months, four. Four, yeah, about a month. Because well, I mean, six, six months is like a visa usually for people who are going Actually, to yeah. to the to different countries. Well, whether or not that's considered um, a tourist, 
Unless it's a tourist visa, then well, six months is right. You, you guys have talked yourself into the answer. The answer is six, six months. months. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, according to the UN, the official definition of a tourist is mm -hmm. someone who stays in a country, not their own, for more than 24 hours, but less than six months. So the second you hit that six month, you are no longer a tourist. Right. So I can't be like a three hour tourist? Well, you could be a three hour tourist. <laughs> now, interesting fact on this. Mm -hmm. If yes. you are a, well, this is, I'm not up to date on everything right now, but <laughs> pre pandemic and all, you, an American passport, so you can actually be in the United Kingdom uh, for six months. Mm -hmm. Right, and then if you if it was expiring, you would either jaunt over to Ireland, not the Republic, but the, the Northern, or you would jaunt over to Europe. You'd have to stay there about mm, seven seven days, maybe a little less now, and then you could actually re-enter back into the UK with a full another six months to go. Oh, so that's oh, so you're just like resetting the game. Yeah, and you have to reset the game. Wait, like, so you you're saying it's coming in real life. <laughs> you do have to remain over like in Europe. And also another right. one is it's it's easier to get a work visa into your European Union country than it is into the United Kingdom. Hmm. So if you ever wanted to try to get to the UK, the best route is to actually get a work visa within Europe, and then from there make your way. So you you heard it here. Um, that was get the visa. well, you know, here. I can stay seven days in Belgium just trying chocolate. Oh, yeah, or just pop over to No, uh, Belgium, Amsterdam. if you're going to go to Belgium, you're going to do the, the different types of beers and lagers that they have. Well, along with the chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, well, yeah. you didn't say that at first, you just said chocolate. Well, it's just, I'm like, no, you have to do the, okay, the, the beers and lagers are just children. You can have beer and chocolate later. We still have one more question to go through. But Brussels, so please. much wine, uh, wine and cheese. Brussels, you can have your case of wine later problems. as well. Okay. So we are down to our last question of the night. It's raining. Yes, it is raining. I know. That's not the question. I found out the hard way. The, it, I think my shirt is finally dried. Yeah, it's, it's raining. <laughs> So we're down to our last question of the night. The last question was about tourists. And there are a lot of different types of people that go on tour, a lot of different entertainers. And then you'll hear stories from the road. Did you just hear about Blink-182? They're getting back together, the original band. They're going on an international tour. Oh, OK. You good? You better now? <laughs> For only six months? Okay. <laughs> oh, no, less than six months. No, whole well, year. Yeah. So, a lot of different bands and entertainers will go on tour. And one of the stories we often hear about is, you know, damage from trashy hotel rooms. So my question for you guys is, uh, during their U.S. tour, what was the total amount of damage when Monty Python trashed their hotel room? Oh, 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 I remember that. I, that depends how much of it was animated. <laughs> <laughs> Only the part with Palin. Uh, I think Gillian would have animated a really interesting trashing. Oh, yes. Almost, there, that book would just come down. 1.5 million. I'm just going to throw something out You're going to say $1.5 million was the total sure. amount of destruction. That's an entire hotel. I'm that's a lot of... That's a lot of... These guys, do you want to join the conversation? We are joining the conversation. We are having a conversation. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, but. 
Remember, I was in sales. I'm going to separate you two. And are we adjusting for inflation? Like, when was this? This was, I actually did not write it down. <laughs> I know. Uh, but we're going to say it's pre 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably pre 80s. Yeah, yeah. I'm just being safe. Monty Python yeah. with the Hawaiian circus. Because I forgot to write down. It yeah. was during one of their U.S. tours. Right. So what do you what do you guys think the total amount of damage from their? Uh, yeah, probably yeah, around five six mil. Five five six million dollars. Oh yeah, I could see them. And this is one hotel five. room or all hotel rooms? This is one hotel room. This is one night. They so I think they have like holes in the wall. Yeah. I mean, they really. I mean, they put Motley Crue to shame. Yeah, it was pretty much a gut job on the room. Yes. Well, I think uh, I know the, one of the worst ones was Billy Idol had to get tranked. They had to shoot him with a trank gun oh, uh, to get him out of the hotel. Like a rhinoceros. <laughs> but we're we're going back to Monty Python. Yeah. So you guys have your answers locked in. Uh, Claire, what was your final? I didn't have a pre-final. You didn't have a pre-final. <laughs> oh god. I'll say 100k in 80s dollars. Ooh, 180s k. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the inflation. So, during their U.S. tour. Monty Python was asked to trash their hotel room for the publicity. Uh -huh. The total amount of damage was one toothbrush. My really? boys. Yes. When they were asked, Michael Palin apparently got off the phone, went into the bathroom, and broke one toothbrush. They gave them toothbrushes? They had the nice hotel rooms. Yeah. Some nice hotel rooms will give you a toothbrush. Mm -hmm. Some um, will give you a bar. Yeah, but oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's an expensive bar. You pay so you, much for that bar. And you, you sure pay for it. Mm, it's not worth it. <laughs> well, if you're in the company's time, it's worth it. Oh, uh, yes. Important distinction. But I thought that was a fun fact to end the night on that Monty Python, in true Monty Python style, they broke one toothbrush. Here, here. It's only a flash wound. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you win just for that. So. That actually. <laughs> Whose team are you on? Everyone's. I love you all. No, you're actually. On what team? side of the table are you? You have to be on, on the team. This side. You can't. You can't Focus. play both. Focus. You don't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad. Stay with me. So, that uh, is the last question of the night. That wraps up this round. Our judge is uh, on the side tallying the points, and it looks like this week's winners are going to be. If the judge will decide, the judge is just taking his sweet, sweet time because he's eating all the crap services back there. <laughs> Winners course. this yeah. week once again are Tom Bowel. and Christy. <laughs> I think part of it is you keep cheating with the bluff questions. But next week, you we will take another look at that. You did last week, you just forgot them. So no, last week, I intentionally ch children, you just gave this fight in the parking lot, <laughs> three p.m. at the flagpole, Hi, whatever, man. whatever it is right now. Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Don't touch Bye. the tone. We will see you guys next week. Like on us at the bottom.